Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. Thank you, sir. Wow, I got two Bibles up here. Somebody's Bible here. We'll put it right there. Give me just a quick second. Y'all doing good? Hello, everybody online. Everybody give them a wave right there. Everybody's waving at you right now online. There you go. That's awesome. Praise God. Oh, there, I got a cup holder right there. I'll just leave that one. So good. Well, I'm honored to be here with you guys this morning and uh, excited to just be able to come and bring the word. I want to just thank you, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Joy, for trusting me and having me here, even though you've never even met me. Your pastor is a man of faith, <laughs> trusting me with your pulpit and, and uh, with the beautiful, beautiful people that he loves. So, man, just, uh, just give Pastor Daniel, Pastor Joy a big hand right now. Honor them. Some of my close friends are Dave and Taff Harvey. I understand they were just here not too long ago, and uh, they just really spoke highly of, of this church and of you guys and your hunger, and, and so I was just honored and excited to come and be here with you guys today. So, well, I just uh, came to Phoenix. I've been to Phoenix a few times. I used to come to Phoenix years ago to come to Tommy Barnett's pastor schools at, when it was first, Phoenix First Assembly back in the day. And uh, so I love Phoenix. I love this place. And um, just a little bit of what we're doing here. I mean, just to, just to share with you, I have a website called TomCrandall.com. How many of you guys like free stuff? Hey, all right, I'm going to give away from some free stuff, but first of all, I have a bunch of blogs that I wrote on TomCrandall.com um, that will actually just help you step into your destiny. It's just really short information, but it's full of activations and declarations to help you activate the kingdom of God in your life. How many guys know that the kingdom of God is voice activated? Amen. You can, I, I learned as a young man, prayer, and it was great. I learned how to pray and read the word and fast, and, and it was all wonderful but I was missing something in my arsenal, and that's that the voice of God, when it speaks, you take it and you put it on your mouth and you speak it, and that's how you plow your way forward. It's the sword of the Spirit. And so it's become a major part of my life is activating my faith through declarations, amen, declaring what God is saying. So you can go check out that and a bunch of, bunch of blogs on there. And I've just recently, I'm going to talk a little bit about it this morning, launched a ministry and Phoenix, this weekend was my first event ever. Uh, it's a ministry called One Hope for America. I was um, sitting in my, my office last year, my den, my house, and, and I was just looking at the news. How many of you guys know that's not a way to get encouraged, right? And I was just looking at all the bad news, a lot of stuff that was going on, and I, and I prayed a prayer. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you guys, all right? I'm a, I've been a preacher of the gospel for 20 years, full time. And most of the time when I ask God a question, he doesn't answer me back right away. Most of the time it's a journey, it's a process, but this one, he almost responded immediately. And I prayed, I said, God, what are we going to do to see America saved? I was sincere. I, I love this nation. I want to see this nation turn back to God. And I, I laid down and I was kind of half asleep and these words hit me in the face, one hope for America. And I sat up and I'm like, what does that mean? So I texted a friend. I felt the presence of God. Long story short, I went online and I, I bought it. And uh, 
but started waiting on it. And a mentor who's been an evangelist for over 50 years just started mentoring me and encouraging me. Long story short, I launched out and started this ministry called One Hope for America. So you can check it out, onehopeforamerica.com. There's blogs up and I've got uh, podcasts. How many of you guys know Todd White? He's a good friend. He's a friend of mine and got a podcast with Todd White. Steve Backlund did a podcast with him. Georgian Banov. Have any of you guys ever heard of Georgian Banov? Georgian is amazing and um, he just talks about his upbringing coming out of communist Bulgaria and how that is starting to infiltrate in America and we need to take a stand. Amen. And, uh, and rise up today. And so I have, um, how many of you guys like to wear declarations? When you go to Walmart, when you go to the store, when you go to school, you can wear a declaration. And I brought a bunch of t-shirts here. There's one hope for America, and his name is Jesus. Amen. In his name, the nations will put their hope. And so um, we have some t-shirts back there. The t-shirts are $25 per t-shirt. And then, um, so we'll, we'll, you can pick those up after the service. But anybody here wear a small? Anybody a small? Here you go, right here. You can wear the declaration. God bless you. There you go. I wrote a book several years ago. Um, I've been in, in youth ministry for, uh, it was 19 or 20 years. And um, I got radically saved in Salt Lake City, Utah. No, I was never Mormon. And I only have one wife, too, okay? And so, uh, that was bad, I know. But, um, but I got radically saved there and uh, just fell in love with God. And I immediately began to just overflow and tell people about Jesus and just share my heart for the Lord. I was an evangelist right away and then um, became a youth pastor. God put me in front of a generation who was in the valid decision. Long story short, I wrote this book several years ago uh, in an effort to just captivate stories that are demonstrating what, what God is doing in this generation. And so really this book fits a couple of types of people. Teenagers and, and guys, because it's short and it full, it's full of stories. Amen. I'm just kidding. A lot of, a lot of grandmas have bought this book. It's helped them too. And so, but how many guys, wherever you go, how many guys know that most, most of the time people, like our lives are the only lives, the Bible that people are reading, right? And so how many guys want people to see Jesus when they see your life? I want to see Jesus when I see your life. And so we're so, we're so concerned with trying to get all the right words together, but our life speaks, the decisions that we make, the beliefs that we carry, the voices we listen to, it's all shaping what our life speaks. And so, is anybody here, you want your life to speak? Man, you want your life to just, just speak the Lord? Anybody here? All right, come on. Here you go, brother. God bless you. We got those for sale back there. They're, the books are 12 bucks each, so if you want to get a book and a t-shirt, you can get them both for $35, and uh, you'll be blessed. And so, grab your Bibles. Go to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to jump right into the Word today. And, um, you know, it was just amazing couple, you know, on Friday night, it was our first event, and uh, here we are, we're in a room full of people over there at the church, church for all nations, it's just a great time. And, you know, I really wasn't anticipating on preaching the gospel, I was anticipating just sharing the vision of One Hope for America, because it was a bunch of believers that were coming together. Well then, as I'm in prayer that day, I just really had this sense, no, people are going to get saved tonight. So I'm like, all right. So I prepared, you know, just whatever, just praying. Get there that night and just started sharing my, hope, my heart for One Hope for America. As I, as I began, to, the Holy Spirit began to lead me this last year. I began to look into 
where did America come from? And this, trust me, this message is not about America, okay? But I began to um, study the first great awakenings. I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to study the first great awakening with George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, the 13 colonies. They were all separated and divided. George Whitfield began to just blaze a trail through with revival. The hearts begin to come awakened to, to, to a simple message, you must be born again. And uh, he just brought revival to America. That revival that came through America galvanized hearts towards a thinking that was breaking away from always looking to a king to tell you what to do with your life. It was, it was shaping their hearts to be, to be free thinkers, self, self-governing people. Well, that revival that swept through America actually shaped the hearts of the American people to stand in the American Revolution and fight for our own independence. It's safe to say that if it wasn't for revival, America wouldn't be standing today. We need revival in America today again, amen? We need revival in America. We need revival to touch every part of America, the school systems, families, government. We need revival. We need Jesus. Jesus is the hope of America, amen? My hope is not in politics. It's not in government. My hope is not in all the different things that are fighting for our attention and all the distractions. My hope alone comes from Christ alone. He is above it all. Amen. When Jesus rose from the grave, the Bible says that he rose far above. Look at your neighbor and say, far above all principalities and powers. Come on. All of it. Amen. So I preached the gospel on Friday night. 20 people came forward, and they got born again. It was amazing. It's the greatest miracle of all is seeing a heart get transformed and born again. And, uh, and then God began to move. There was miracles, and I, I, just, I just began to sense that somebody there had problems with their eyes and uh, like some kind of problem, like a cataract problem or something. God wants to touch you, and I called out nasal problems. Somebody's having a problem with your nasal congestion. And uh, a lady was there who'd been in a car accident. In the car accident, after the car accident, they put prisms in her glasses. And every time she took her glasses off, she'd get dizzy. Could you imagine how terrible that would be? You just take your glasses off and you start, the wall starts spinning. So, so they prayed for her. She took her glasses off, and for the first time, she's no longer dizzy. She came up front, and she stood there. I don't have my glasses on, and I'm not dizzy. Isn't that amazing? Come on, yeah, you give, give God praise for that, huh? That's amazing. That's amazing. One person after another began to come up and testify about how they had something wrong with their nose. <laughs> I don't know why this is just gross to me, funny, whatever. This, somebody had a surgery on their nose, one of their nostrils they could barely breathe out of after prayer. It immediately opened up, and they could just breathe just fine, and God just healed them. It was one person after another, which is kind of amazing. And so if you need that today, just take it for yourself. If you, if you need a miracle in your nose, just take it. Just reach up and say, I'll take that for myself. Amen. If you need a miracle in your eyes, just I'll take that for myself. Second Kings chapter 6. I want to jump into this here. I feel like this is a, uh, it's almost like sometimes God shows us in Scripture where we're at today. And how many guys, how many guys have wrestled with fear at all in the last couple of years? Anybody else here besides me? <laughs> the last couple of years, it's just felt like it's just been one thing after another has happened to us. And I feel like the last couple of years, the spirit of the age has been trying to condition us to adjust our lives to live according to fear. I know just a, 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 what was it? I don't know. 
year and a half ago or so myself, I'm sitting there and I'm looking on Instagram and all of a sudden I see a post that just got my heart rate going. Made me afraid. And I'm sitting there, I couldn't get my heart rate down. And it started a process of fear in my life where for a little while I had to figure out what is going on with me. And uh, fear just began to attack my mind and plague my mind. And it brought me into a, a war where I was <laughs> fighting for my own thoughts. How many guys ever get afraid of something and it just try, it feels like it's just creeping up on you? You can't get it out of your mind. That's been the last couple of years. And God's set me free. He's, you know, but I, but I still, I have to stand every day. It's not like, yep, the Lord set me free from that fear thing, you know, a year ago, and I've never battled since, you know. No, it's more like it's a daily walk with the Lord, and, and daily I'm confessing God's word. I'm standing on God's word. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Amen. So whenever fear comes at me, I can stand and say, wait a minute, I'm in Christ, and he's in me, and Jesus doesn't have fear. So if I feel fear, I can stand confidently knowing that's not mine. It doesn't matter if it feels true or if it doesn't feel true. If, it's, if fear is attached, you can be assured it's a demon. It's not just an emotion. Fear is a spirit. Therefore, when I feel it, and sometimes, how many guys know you get, you get the, and you, you feel a lie in your head. You feel like, oh my gosh, something's going on here. And when a lie hits your head, it begins to consume your body. That's because the Bible calls the devil's darts fiery darts. When they hit us, it just begins to consume us. But if I change my thoughts, I change my feelings. If I change my thoughts, I can change my body chemistry as well. Your thoughts direct your life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. So 2 Kings chapter 6 in chapter 7, we're going to look at these two portions of Scripture today. 2 Kings chapter 6 starts out with Elisha, the man of God, was in his little tent, and him and his servant Gehazi were hanging out. And I'm going to paraphrase this story for you. They were just, they were together, and all of a sudden, a Syri the Syrian army came up around them, and they gathered around Elisha, because Elisha was a prophet and was tattletaling on the king of Syria's Every move he was making, he would just, he would discern what the next move the Syrians were going to make. He would have, the, the Syrian king would have a, a conversation in his bedroom, and nobody else heard it, but Elisha heard it, because he's a prophet, and he was listening in the spirit, and then he would tell the king of Israel, and so this guy was just infuriated, and he said, that's it, we're going to kill Elisha, go find him. So Elisha's sitting there in his tent, and he's the man of God, and he's just hanging out, and he knows God's with him, and Gehazi's with him too, and all of a sudden, Gehazi looks outside of his tent, and he sees the army of Syria surrounding his tent. And he freaks out. I mean, like, panic, like Jack Sparrow from Captain, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow, like, ah, running, just running from the beach. He's freaked out. How many guys ever felt surrounded and freaked out before? Afraid, possessed, ah, what am I going to do? It's like, it's like getting stung by a bee and it just hits you. This was Gehazi. Fear, when it hits you, it just has a, nasty way about taking over your eyes. How many, guys, how many guys know that when fear hits us, fear is a false prophetic spirit. When fear touches you, you begin to dream about the worst outcome. You begin to think about 
if this goes down this way, I'm going to end up in divorce. If this happens, I'm going to be in bankruptcy. If this happens, man, my kids are going to walk away from God. If this happens, oh my gosh, this is going to break out in my life. And all these scenarios begin to play out in our minds. And I've discovered you can find out what spirit is influencing you by what you're dreaming about. If you're dreaming about, if you're seeing the demise of your life, that's a spirit of fear. Why? It's trying to possess your eyes to see your future without God. But when you're dreaming about the best outcome, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you hope and a future and expected end, not calamity. And you're dreaming about your business. Man, I know I'm facing this situation, but man, I know God's going to come in and he's going to fight for me. And, and I know that this is going on in my marriage, but you know what? I know that God is alive. I know he loves us. He loves our family. And I know this is happening with my kids, you know, and this situation is going on. But I know that God's involved. Like you can begin to dream because you know God is for you, not against you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. He's for you. He's not against you. Ha. Ah, come on, Jesus. Praise God. Man, that's a good time to just shout right there. It's like God's for me. He's not against me. Gehazi's looking out there. He sees the army. You know, it's, it's not like he's seeing something that not, that's not there. It's not like he's seeing in, in, a made-up image in his mind. No, he is surrounded by a lethal mercenary type kind of army. But Elisha... Gehazi when he sees it. But Elisha's sitting there and he's like, he's kicking back in the, on his cabana, you know, just drinking a whatever, Mai Tai, I don't know, whatever. He's just not afraid. He's not even intimidated. Why? Because he knows who's for him. He knows who's with him. He has a history. Why? He had a history of walking with Elijah, his father, the prophet, and seeing one miracle after another, seeing, seeing the, you know, Mount Carmel, when all the 400 prophets gathered together, and, and he watched Elijah, Elijah, he heard about Elijah just calling down fire on the altar, and just all these miracles happening one after another. Elijah was not afraid because he had a history with God. You see, when something hits in your life, what history are you pulling on? You can tell which world you're the most connected to by the one you manifest. I have a really good word for you guys over here. You can tell which world you're the most connected to by the one you manifest. Which one you're dreaming about. Well, I just, this just happened to me. I can't get out of it. No, no. Jesus said these words. Do you not see? Do you not hear? Do you not remember? And I don't know about you, but I, I find myself situations where I feel like Gehazi sometimes. I'm just going to be real with you guys. I feel like Gehazi sometimes. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening again or this is going on. And I have to stop myself and say, no, Tom, you're, and I have to talk to myself. You're crazy. Steve Backman wrote a book, You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself. I have to talk to myself and say, no, Tom, you're not going to meditate on that. You're not going to talk about that right now. You're not going to rehearse that in your mind. Instead, you're going to rehearse the word of the Lord and the history you have with God, and that's what you're going to think about right now. Amen. That's what we've got to do. If we're going to be strong in the Lord for our kids, strong in the Lord for our, for our lives and walking with the Lord, it's not about, sometimes I can't see what God is doing, just to be real. Sometimes I don't even hear, but I can always remember. I can always write down stories and, and just remember what God has done. Amen. 
So here's Gehazi. He's freaked out, looking out there. He sees the, you know, all, the, all the army coming after him. And Elisha says, come here, son. Praise God. Open his eyes to really see. Praise for him. He says, now look again. Looks out there. And yeah, he sees the army, but he sees something else he didn't see before. He saw the other army. He saw the army of the Lord, angels, chariots, down, come, who's come down from heaven that had surrounded the entire army of the enemy. And then he said, God strike them with blindness, and boom, all of a sudden, none of them could see. And then he said, okay, come on. I mean, this is just a funny story. These guys were coming to kill Elijah. And Elijah's like, all right, guys, follow me. And he leads them into the city. And then they were like, should we kill him? Should we kill him? It's our enemy. Should we kill him? Elisha's like, no, man, don't, don't kill him. Give him something to eat. They fed him. And from that day forward, they stopped invading Israel. This is the word of the Lord. See, I don't care what you're facing today. What army is coming against you? What thought is making your heart fear? There is an army that's bigger than anything you're facing that's for you that's not against you, that's full of goodness, that's full of graciousness, that's got more than enough mercy you could ever need, that's for your family, that's full of forgiveness. Come on, somebody, look, you can come to God at any time you want to and know that the enemy of God is surrounded by the armies of heaven and he's fighting on your behalf. Come on. Woo, that's a good word right there. I don't care. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love. Power and a sound mind. <laughs> Woo, that's a good word. I'm not going to meditate on bad news. I'm going to visit it to know what's going on so I can pray, but I'm not going to meditate on it, park on it, get possessed with it, let the bee stings hit me. No, I'm going to meditate on what God has said, the testimony of the Lord. That's how we got to approach the day we're living in. Oh, another thing's happened. Another thing's, I'm telling you right now, more things are coming. And that's not prophecy. That's just common sense. <laughs> I'm not talking about bury your head in the sand and just, you know, sing kumbaya every day and just read your Bible and don't look at the news. I'm talking about, no, we got to look at some, you know, the, the army was, was out there. The Syrian army was out there. That's real. But there was just a bigger army that was out there as well. We got to get involved. I'm not talking about like unplug and just go to church and stay in your prayer closet all day. I'm talking about like go to church, get plugged in, stay in your prayer closet, but then go do something about it. Go to your school board and stand against the garbage they're trying to indoctrinate our kids with. Go to work and, and be a light that shines and be the hope for people that are around you. Go to the supermarket and look for somebody to just pray for and let's be the hope that other people need and show them that God is real. Amen. So you've got this, this encounter that happens where fear gets defeated, where, where the enemy gets exposed, where Gehazi sees what Elisha had been seeing, and then and then it just goes to another level. Syria is like, all right, we're not going to invade Israel. So instead, they decide to go invade Samaria. And what am I getting at here? We're going we're gonna to talk about the last part of my message here is your assignment. See, this, this church here, it feels like a family. I mean, there's just like, wow, what a family. This church is a family. I, can, I felt it from the second I walked in here, from the second I met Pastor Ken and Diane, and just, and just love just being here. You can already feel it in the atmosphere just from my 
connections I've had with Pastor Daniel on the phone, and, and, um, and you can feel it. And I'm going to tell you right now, the world needs family desperately. As, a, as somebody who has preached the gospel to thousands, but also like to a lot of kids, Kids will never be able to tell me what I preached on. They, can't, they will not remember any sermon I ever preached as badly as I want them to. They, won't, they couldn't recount any of them. But the one thing they will always remember is how I treated my wife. They'll always remember how I talked to my kids. They'll always remember those little interactions of family. Because they're like, what does that look like to be in an unconditionally loved family? Wow, and that's what the world's looking into. How can I get into a family that, that I know isn't going to judge me? Most of the world right now, you say the word family, and they're like, Psh, yeah, right. Most of the world, you say the word father, and they're like, that's scary. Maybe even some of you here in this room, and I understand why, because of your experience. But that's why you're in this house. You've seen an experience like Gehazi saw but Elisha's going to open your eyes and you're going to see a new experience. Amen? See, Gehazi couldn't have seen on his own. He had to get around, can I say, another father and say, can you help me see what I can't see? And that's what family does for each other. I've helped a lot of kids get set free from same-sex attraction. I've seen a lot of kids get set free from addictions that are crippling them. Do you know how they get set free? Yes, the word of the Lord gets preached. Yes, they respond to an altar call or, or some kind of ministry moment where the anointing is there to just break the chain. But it always gets worked out in family. And if there is no family for them to walk with, oftentimes, the renewal of their mind doesn't take place and that stronghold comes back even worse than when it left. This family, I'm telling you right now, I'm about to charge you with a prophetic charge to go change Phoenix, Arizona. This is why I'm here. is because it's not about my message. It's not about me preaching the gospel. It's about the hundreds of people that are here and online that are gonna go out and carry Jesus to your workplace, to the places nobody will ever hear me talk about, but they'll see you and say, God must be real because I see how, I see what they've gone through and I see the Lord's with them. Amen? Look at this. 2 Kings chapter 7. We're going to look into this here. And this is just one of my favorite messages that I'm about to preach. 2 Kings chapter 7. It's a, it's a bizarre time in the nation of Samaria because the nation of Syria, they went from Israel and they went to, laid, they laid siege of Samaria. And as a result and you might see some similarities here in the world today. As a result of laying siege of Samaria, a great famine hit the nation of Samaria. So much so that inflation took off at skyrocketing rates and a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver. Anybody here want to just buy a donkey's head? No. 80 pieces of silver. That's like a lot of money. I don't know how much that would translate into USD, okay? But 80 pieces of silver, a donkey's head shouldn't be 80 pieces of silver. And a cup of dove poop is five pieces of silver. Mom, what are we eating for lunch today? Dove poop. Mom, what, let's see, go to school. What mom packed me for lunch today? Oh, I got a little donkey ear and a 
Dove poop. This is interesting. Well, that's all we could afford, son. Right? Things were terrible. Things were, things were terrible. You know, when famine hits, when fear possesses a nation, people begin to lose their crackers. They begin to think in crazy ways. And they get possessed with fear, and they only see the army, but they don't see what Elisha sees, the, the angels of the Lord. Instead, all they think of is survival. All they think of is with an orphan mindset. I got to take care of me. To heck with everybody else. It's all about me, me, me. I got to take care of my own needs. And if that means sacrificing things that are close to me, then so be it. And it's what we're seeing happen right now. In America, because people aren't connected to family. They don't know unconditional love. They're not seeing what Elisha sees. They're only seeing what Gehazi sees, and they're just reacting. See, the Bible says that the God of this world, has, who is Satan, has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. So they're just walking around blind. We need somebody to come alongside of them and take off the blinders. A woman comes along. Two women came together. They both had kids. This is what's insane. This story is morbid. I almost didn't read it, but I, I think you'll see the parallel in the day that we're living in right now. These two women came together. They both had children, and they decided, we're losing our minds. We're all going to die. The Syrian armies sieged us. We have no future. So they began to move according to the spirit of fear, and they went insane, and they decided, I'll boil my child today, you can boil yours tomorrow, and then we'll at least survive a little bit. So they put their, so they boiled the one child. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. And then the next day, the lady took off with her child and said, no, you can't have it. So she comes to the king of Samaria and says, I need help. And he's like, what do you want me to do? I can't do anything. So she tells him what they just did. He just, he's just going nuts. The Samaria, king of Samaria is just like, I, I don't know what to do here. So the nation was being torn apart. You're seeing people today, dude, I'm just gonna, I see kids in the room, so I'm not gonna too, say too much, but with, with what's happening with preborn children, and um, it's what's happening in our nation today. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Can I say that? The, the battle that we're in right now is not Republican versus Democrat. It's not fought on a political battlefield. It's fought in the heavens. It's fought in the spiritual atmosphere with weapons of truth. Amen? We need to come together. Listen, if we push a big red wave and all of a sudden we end stuff that needs to end, guess what? A big blue wave is coming, and we're just going to keep playing ping pong all day long in the White House. What I'm talking about right now is we need to go up higher than all of that to the courts of heaven and declare what God has decreed. Family is the first governmental structure that God ever established on the earth, and no government should ever take the place of the family that God has established. Amen? 2 Kings chapter 7, so here they are. What, what's, what's the solution? How do, we, how do we get out of this mess? What's God going to do? Elisha prophesies, and he says, hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow at this time, so you got bad inflation happening, right? Insanity. Tomorrow at this time, a cup of fine, or a quart of fine flour shall be sold for one shekel, and barley for one shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now you can't even buy a donkey's head for less than eighty shekels of silver. 
And now all of a sudden he's saying, yeah, that barley and all that wheat you don't even have access to, it's going to appear and it's going to be sold for one shekel. Now, Elijah looks crazy. There ain't no way this is going to happen. How are we going to get out of this? Yeah, right. He's saying inflation is about to end. This whole nation is about to turn around. Watch and see what God does. But what was God's sneaky plan? Was it another David anointed by, by God to come and take down Goliath? Was it, you know, the most qualified person from a, the stock of kings to come and take out the enemy that was siege laying siege to their nation? No, it was the Three Stooges. How many guys remember the Three Stooges, Larry, Curly, and Moe? Man, I, my daughter, you know, my, these, this generation today, you guys don't know what real cartoons are. You watch the craziest stuff. I made my daughter sit down with me one Saturday morning, and I said, we're going to watch Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, and then we're going to watch the Three Stooges. And she's like, we sat there, and we watched the three, Larry, Curly, and Moe, boop, you know, I mean, just all the fun stuff. These guys, you know, these guys here, they were, What's the antidote of heaven? Here it is, verse 3. There were four leprous men, so the four stooges. They were at the entrance of the gate in Samaria. Now, lepers of the day, you know, their nose falls off, their ear falls off, they're sick. They are banished from society. They are in an eternal quarantine until they die. These guys couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't be in public. They couldn't be around anybody. It's a living nightmare for these guys. They're dead men walking. They're already dead. That's how society treated them. You're dead. Go out there. There's four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to each other, <laughs> I just see Larry, Curly, and Moe, and we'll add Henry in there, okay? Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we'll enter the city and the famine is in the city, we're going to die there. <laughs> and if we sit here, we're going to die also. Now, therefore, come on, let's, let's surrender to the army of the Syrians. The Syrians were in a camp right outside of Samaria. He said, let's go over there and let's, let's, let's surrender to those guys. If they keep us alive, then we'll live. If they kill us, then we're just going to die there too. Let's just take our chances. We're already dead. Verse 6, the Lord, wait, wait, so, they, so verse, verse 5, sorry, verse 5. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise, everybody say noise, of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look! The king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. This is what the Syrians all said to each other. They were sitting there in their camp, and all of a sudden they heard the noise. And they just freaked out. And they just believed what was going on, and they took off. This is what the enemy was thinking. How many guys know, oftentimes, the enemy, when you look at him, you feel afraid because... He's always lying to you. Behind every fear is a lie. If you want to deal with fear in your life, you don't try and combat fear. The battle is not love versus fear or even good versus evil as much as it is truth versus lies. 
There's a lie behind every fear that we face. The enemy was sitting here acting all tough and big and strong, but really the one that's afraid more than anybody in this room is fear itself. Fear is sitting there going, the Egyptians are coming. No, they're hiring the other people. Oh my gosh. And what they do, they heard the sound of what they thought was a great army coming against them. But you know who it was? It was the four stooges running across the sand. Ching, 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 ching. Running across the sand to just say, we might die over there. Let's just go for it. As they just run to this army, you know, this tent, all these tents. And what happens? Verse 7, therefore they arose, the Syrian army, and they fled at twilight. And they left the camp intact, their tents, their horses. They, let, they didn't even take their horses. Like, get on your horse and flee at least. No, they just left their horses and just took off running. This is how afraid your enemy is. He is so fearful of you discovering who you are that he continually lies to you so you won't rise up, take the sword of the Spirit, and slay him. They took off running, left their donkeys, left their horses, and they fled for their lives. This is how afraid the enemy is of you. Verse 8, and when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went out to one tent, and they ate and they drank. I mean, they found some Chick-fil-A over here. You know, they went and found some filet mignon. They got to go and get some ice cream. I mean, they were living their dream. Everybody's gone. They're like, oh my gosh, it's abundance. We've carried, they carried silver and gold. And then they found some clothing. They got to go to Zara. I mean, they got the spending, spending freeze. I mean, just like, you know, credit cards don't even need them. You just take anything you want. Girls, you'd be going crazy. They got all this food all this gold, all this silver, these dead four stooges who just took a risk to go for it, found Eureka. And as they're sitting in abundance, bathing in the spoils of the risk that they took, they came back into another tent, and then they took all their stuff. And what they do? This is what orphans do. They hid the spoils. Where are they hiding it from? There's nobody around. They're hiding the gold, hiding the food, hiding it all, hiding. And then all of a sudden, they looked at each other, and I believe this sentence embodies the spirit of Christianity. I believe this sentence, what I'm about to read, is about to infuse you, Awaken Life Church, to reach your city. They said these words, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come against us. Now therefore, let's go and let's tell the king's household what we found. The four stooges, dead men walking, took a risk, ran into abundance, overflowing in the spoils of risk, who discovered as they're hiding it all, their hearts were smitten with conviction, and they said, we can't be silent. we got to go share this with somebody else. This is a picture of the day we're living in, but it's also a picture of the church. That if the church realizes we've been bought with a price, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am one of the four stooges. <laughs> 
God chose me. He plucked me out of Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm the son of a, my dad was a railroader for over 30 years, faithful out there, driving them big yellow Union Pacific trains. I'm not the most qualified guy in the world. I came out of a dark past, like God chose me. And I just said, Lord, I'm dead. I'll do whatever. I'll go wherever. And he said, great, go that way towards a generation. And now here I am. Now he's saying, go that way. And I found abundance, man. Wow, I found abundance. I found abundance for my finances. I found abundance for my marriage. I found abundance for how to raise kids. I found abundance. I found abundance for healing. I found like the abundant Christian life in Christ. Come on, somebody. John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. This is life in Christ, man. We've got an abundant life in Jesus. We have more than we need. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every time that rises up in judgment against you, you shall condemn. Taking thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, and putting those thoughts in a prison that Christ purchased by his blood. Come on, somebody. Nobody has to be afraid. You don't got to look at your future and see it without God. God is for you. We're living in abundance. Woo! Healing has been purchased for us. The blood of Jesus paid for everything we would ever need. This is the Christian life. It's abnormal to not get an appetite for what's impossible because we serve the God who split the Red Sea. We serve the God who anointed King David to kill Goliath. We serve the God who said, Elijah, look at the dead men's bones and prophesy and say, live. That's the one who lives on the inside of us, the history of the God we serve. Man, why does God put us in situations that feel impossible? Because he's not afraid. Why does he put you in situations you're like, why, why is this happening to me? Here I am again, oh God. And he lets us drown in our thought life. And he sits there like a good father, not rescuing you in the midst of your pity party, but he says to me, how's that working out for you? Would you like to change that? Yes, God, be my savior. And he's like, yeah, I saved your soul. Steve Backlund puts it like this. We get saved by believing in Jesus, but we get transformed by believing like Jesus. You see, God is waiting for somebody else to get so full of his word, so full of faith, so recalibrated, not to the armies around you, but recalibrated to the armies around your army. That when you look at them, you're not afraid, your heart's not moved by fear. You, you might feel fear, but you're still saying, I'm moving forward and not controlled by the spirit of fear. I'm going to love my wife when I don't feel like it. I'm going to fight for my kids when I feel like giving in to shame. I'm going to fight for my nation. I'm going to fight for Phoenix, Arizona, because there's only one hope for America, and his name is Jesus. He lives inside of me, and people around me need to hear him. Listen. Woo. Man, you got to get this inside of you. Like, God is for you. He's not against you. Get possessed with the word of the Lord. This is where I've been living the last two years. Fear comes at me. Anxiety comes at me. And I bury myself in the word of God. Fear hits me. I can't see. All I see is this army around me. And I go to one of my spiritual fathers and I say, this is all I can see. Help me see. And he prays for me, ministers to me, helps me. I put, go back in the game. Go keep fighting, you know. And it's just like, this is the Christian life. We're getting full of the word of the Lord. Why? Because Jesus is the word of God. He is the word made flesh. But guess what? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And God has sent the Holy Spirit to us. Why? Because he's waiting for somebody else, his sons and daughters, to get so filled up, so possessed, and realize they are so dead 
to the things of this world, to the opinions of men, that they are alive in this abundant feast called the Christian life, that he is waiting for us to go become the word of God to somebody else around us. Because they ain't coming in here. They're not coming here to read a Bible. They're looking at you going, why should I believe? And you're going, because God. And you begin to break off testimonies and share what the Lord has done for you. One time I had cancer and I got healed. One time, you know, this was going on in my marriage and God brought peace. This was happening. And they're looking at you going, why should I believe? Do you understand? Sometimes people aren't going to believe till they see how you go through a hard time. The Roman soldiers are gathered around the Son of God himself. They watch the way he dies. Different from any other criminal who's ever been crucified naked on a cross before. They watch him crucified, pierced in the side. He breathes his last but after saying, it is finished. And the Roman soldier looks at him and says, that was the son of God. Sometimes you don't know why you're going through the hell you're going through. Sometimes you just got to know it's not about you. It's for the people that are watching you. They're watching the way you're walking victoriously through it. They're watching you. They're going, you don't make sense. One time I was skiing with a family member of mine who's not saved. And he looks at me and he goes, you born agains. I'm like, where's this going? Yeah. And he goes, you're always just so happy. I was like, praise God. I know I don't make sense. Listen, dead people are the most dangerous. Dead people are dangerous. People that could care less what anybody else thinks. I decided I'm not the most dead guy in the world. There are other people that are way more dead than me. But you know, I've been to funerals. I've never slapped a dead person. But if I did, they wouldn't slap me back. I've been on airplanes before. I decided I'm going to start taking risk, and I began to preach on airplanes. I was on an airplane not too long ago. Long story short, I said, I want to share the meaning of Easter on this plane. Flight steward said, I can't tell you to do that or not do that. I said, no problem. I stood up, and I shared a message to the people that were behind me. They looked at me like I was dumb. They rejected me. It was, I felt so terrified. I was afraid, and I pushed past the fear because, nope, the Bible says I'm dead. My feelings tell me I should be afraid, but my feelings are dead. That's the first army. The second army's for me. He's surrounding that army. I don't have to be afraid. I'm going to preach. I preached anyways. I sat down, and I thought, well, <laughs> all my feelings were telling me. That was dumb. You're an idiot, blah, 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 all that stuff. All of a sudden, the flight attendant walks up to me and says, hey, I heard you want to share a message of hope on this plane, a United flight. I said, yes, I do. And she said, well, would you like to share it right now? I said, yes, I would. She goes, come on, this world needs hope. I stood up, and I walked to the back of the plane, and I'm standing there, and I was like, how long do you want me to go for? And she said, we're going to start landing in 10 minutes. Take as long as you want. Hands me the phone. I'm looking at the back of everybody's heads as we're flying. And I'm having self-talk. I'm like, Tom, you're in revival. Brian and Jen Johnson are behind you leading worship right now. You can do this. I am so afraid. The first army's telling me, stop. They're gonna, you're going to get thrown off this plane. They're gonna, I mean, all the thoughts are going. And then I just focused on the Lord. And I preached the gospel to 200 passengers on a United flight. Preach the gospel. Why? Because America needs saved. There's one hope for America, and his name is Jesus. 
One hope for the hearts of America. I preach the gospel. I get off the plane. I'm out there on the, on the tarmac, and everybody's walking up, and I'm just waiting to pray for anybody who wants prayer. One man, the last guy off the, the plane, walks up to me, and he says, he was rattled. He, he, he just looked visibly moved. And he said, I want to thank you for that. That just changed my life. I really needed to hear that today. Something happened to me. This Four Stooges guy lost his crackers. I went to a whole other level of courage. Something happened. Fear broke off of me. All of a sudden, I realized all that fear is garbage. I was filled with courage in that moment. I looked at my friend, Jordan, and I said, I'm doing that again on the next plane. We went went to our, our... or connecting flight, I walked onto the plane, I looked at the flight attendant, and I said, excuse me, sir, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and I would love to share the meaning of Easter on this flight. And he goes, cool, you can do that anytime you want. I said, I'll be back. Walked to my seat. A couple hours later, walked up to him, said, hey, just here, ready to share that, that message. And he goes, what, are you going to preach a sermon? I said, no, I'm going to share the message that changed my life. So we talked for a minute, gave me the phone. Now I'm standing at the front of first class. 250 passengers. 450 people heard the gospel that day on a United flight. Why? Because I realized, I just decided I'm not going to let fear control me. I'm not going to let fear cap me any longer and keep me silent. I can't be silent because I owe the world an encounter with God from what Jesus has done in my life. So I stood and I declared the word of the Lord. And I declared right there, I said that Just as the Notre Dame Cathedral burned down, it was only a few days ago, just as the Notre Dame Cathedral burned down, there was one thing that still stood remaining, and it was the cross of Jesus Christ. It stood and declares of the faithfulness of God. Your life might feel like it's been burned down in an ash heap of rubble. Maybe you feel like sin has ripped through your life, and you need hope. God is here to save you today. I preached the gospel, gave him the phone, and as I began to walk back to my seat, I began to feel courage just well up on the inside of me even more. And I begin to say, Christ is the healer. Who needs a miracle? He will heal cancer right now. And I just begin to just take more risk. And it was just, it was actually kind of funny because people were just like, you know, you're on a flight, you feel pretty vulnerable. They're just like, don't make eye contact with this crazy lunatic. I began to just get words of knowledge and just, Somebody has a knee problem, just whatever, I'm just saying it. Christ is the healer. He'll touch you right now. I get, nobody, nobody, nobody took me up on my offer. But it doesn't matter, because I've realized many times people don't respond because they're afraid. But they still get touched by God. I've seen miracles happen. I stood in front of a crowd, 1,000 people, called out a word of knowledge. Nobody responded, and somebody got completely healed just from the declaration without even responding. But, like, I get back to my seat, and... This guy, right in front of my seat, looks at me. He's got tears in his eyes, streaming down his face. He's, he, he welled up in his eyes. And he says, I need peace. I stuck my hand out and grabbed his hand and just began to pray for him, lead him into peace. You see, dead people are the most dangerous. Fear is a spirit, way more than a feeling. How many guys are done having fear control you? How many guys are ready to see what God sees? I am not, there's nothing amazing about me. I don't ever try and measure my faith. Do I have enough faith to do this? I'll always come up short. I look at God. God, do you want me to do this? I don't look at trying to move in faith. I look at trying to move in obedience. And when I just move with what God has said over my life, good things happen, amen? 
Some of you guys are sitting here dreaming about taking that next step or dreaming about, I'll be honest with you, a year ago I felt fear over taking this step for One Hope for America and I just kept hearing the Lord say, cast your nets to the other side, step out on the water and watch the water move as you move. It's time to go. Second thing is this, God will put your obedience on a megaphone, man. Listen, the, the forest dude just walking across the sand just, you know, maybe somebody's little finger just fell off as they're walking because they're just dead, leprosy, you know. Somebody lost a toe as they're cutting across the, the Sahara, right? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, armies, the army of Syria hears the noise of chariots and armies and takes off running. God will take your obedience, and he'll put it on a megaphone. It's the way the kingdom of God works. What is it today that God's calling you to step out and do I believe this church is called to be a beacon of hope right here in Phoenix, Arizona, to be a, a light of family towards people that are broken and the hurting. Christian life is abundance. We have everything we need that's been purchased at the cross. It's time to go. And the last thing I want to say is this. We can't remain silent. We can't remain silent. If we keep the abundance to ourselves and just hide it in our, well, I'm not an evangelist, Tom. I'm not, I don't have a bold, crazy personality. I'm not asking you, are you an evangelist? I'm not asking you about your personality. The Holy Spirit is not a personality type. He's a person. Amen. He wants to move through your life. He wants to move through your life and touch people at your workplace, touch people at your job. How do you do that? Just by declaring what God's done in your life. Share the abundance. Pray, God, thank you that you've touched my life. How many of you guys got people in your life right now that need the Lord? Friends and family. Amen. I just believe God's gonna touch them. God's gonna do it. All right, the last thing I want to do right now is I want to pray for all of us to just step out of fear. To say, God, show me what you see. I see the angel. I see the armies around me. I see the thing going on in my marriage. I see the thing happening in my business. The things I struggle with in my own mind. The, the strongholds of thought. The addiction that I can't get over. All those things that are just surrounding you. But God is for you. He's not against you. He's surrounding you with an angel army to help deal with those things on your behalf. Go ahead and stand. Maybe you're watching online right now and, and you feel like, gosh, I wish I could be in that room. The Holy Spirit is there with you. God is, is with you in your car. He's with, there, he's with you there in your house and the Lord's about to touch you. I just see somebody... Um, I see somebody from India right now, and the Lord's just going to touch you right where you're at, and he's going to come and visit you, and, and I have a friend from India. He was the first one who got saved in his village there, and he used to be uh, a Hindu high priest, or not a high priest, but some kind of priest in the Hindu religion, and God set him free. He saw miracles. He's seeing hundreds of thousands of people get born again, and I feel like God is going to touch your life right now as you reach out and say, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. I want to deal with fear right now. Fear... If Chris Falton often says, if, if fear tells you you're going to die if you get on that plane, then you adjust your life to not get on a plane anymore. You adjust your life. You stop going to, to, to get on planes. If fear tells you you, you you had an experience in a car accident, somebody here had, you had an experience in a car accident three years ago, you're afraid to drive. Today, that fear of driving, that fear of being in a car is, is going to end today, and you're going to realize how protected you are. Trauma that gets introduced with the spirit of fear, locks us down in the past and stops us from actually living. But you can come into an abundant feast of heaven today and be set free. And be set free. Amen. 
I think fear has impacted all of us. So let, I'm going to just do this. Put your hand on your heart. And just right now, just say these words over your mouth. Say, Jesus, thank you. You're with me. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. God, I pray, open my eyes to see the angel armies of God surrounding my emotions, surrounding my thoughts, surrounding my fears, surrounding my family, surrounding my church, surrounding my city. And I pray in Jesus' name, fill me with your love. Let perfect love cast out all fear in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a shout of praise. <laughs> Come on, so good. Put your hand on the neighbor next to you and just pray more, more God. More of your presence, Lord. More, Holy Spirit. More, 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 more. Fill us up, God. Overflowing, overflowing. The last thing I want to do before we close here right now is maybe you're in this room and you feel like, you know, you've, you've not been walking with the Lord. Maybe you feel like you've not been, you know, walking with Jesus and, and you're doing your best and you just feel like it's never enough and you're here and you're just like, God, do you even care about me right now? I feel so distant from you and you just keep messing up over and over and it just, maybe it just feels like you're, you're, you're trying. And God is a gracious father. He's not going to leave you nor kick you when you're down. He's a gracious father. Maybe you feel like, that's you right now, and you're saying, I want, I want to come to God, and I want, I want to start a relationship with God. Here's the first thing you got to know, is that none of us can get close to God in our own righteousness. It's not by our own works. It's not by my own goodness. It's not by quitting sin. Quitting sin is not going to make me righteous. The reason we sin is because we're unrighteous, and that's why we do things that's wrong sometimes. But it's Jesus and what he did on the cross. He is the righteous one, the only one that's righteous, who went and came and he lived a, a, a sinless, perfect life, and he demonstrated what the Father looks like. And he came and he gave his life on the cross with sinners, and he died a sinner's death so that we could come to him just as we are, warts and all, and be accepted, not because of our own goodness ever, but because of his goodness. Maybe you've been trying in your own strength. You're trying, to, you're trying to quit doing stuff, and you just feel like you can't go on. You know what? Pain, C.S. Lewis, is called God's megaphone. He said it's called God's megaphone. Many times pain is going on in our lives, and it's because the Lord is drawing us to himself. You don't have to stay in that pain. You can go to God with it right where you're at. Amen. The Holy Spirit is here drawing you. I don't know if there's somebody who can play these, these fancy keys up here. I have no idea how to do it. That'd be fantastic if somebody could. But maybe you're here right now and you say, yeah, I, I feel like that's me. The Lord wants to just draw you to himself. Everybody can just bow your heads and close your eyes. And um, we're going to let God just talk to you. You know, I'll, I'll say you this. 25 years ago, I was at a church in Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, somebody preached. Couldn't tell you what he said. But at the end of his message, he said, if you want more of God, come down here. I looked at my dad and I said, I'm going to go down there. And he was like, okay. So I walked up front, I sat down, and I prayed a really deep theological prayer. I said, God, I'm here. That's it. 
And I wasn't ready for what happened next. I felt the love of God overshadow me. And I felt the same one who knew everything about me accept me right where I was at. And he said three words to me. I'm cleansing you. I sat there as the love of God overshadowed me and I began to have tears streamed in my face, ugly crying. I had snot hanging my face to the floor. And I got up a different man. I got up a different man. God wants you to leave today a different human being. If that's you right now. Pastor, I go to church. I've been in church a long time. Standing in church doesn't make you a Christian no more than standing in Wells Fargo makes you a dollar. Old covenant relationship. The Old Testament was God is external and I do all these things to be right with him. That's a canceled covenant. God's got a better one now. He's saying, I'm going to come and write my word on your heart. I'm going to be inside of you. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. I shed my blood for this covenant to happen. But the only way this happens is if you come and surrender just as you are. And realize that what I did on the cross is all that's needed for us to have a relationship with God. And you don't start a relationship with God through trying harder and white-knuckling it when temptation comes along. You start a relationship with God like a child. Daddy! Abba! Father! All I see is this army. Open my eyes to see who you are and you surrender you surrender it's a new day maybe you're in this room right now and you say that's, that's me if that's you I want to ask you to take courage if you want to be a dead man walking and step into your destiny the first thing you got to die to is what do other people think about me what are they going to say what are they going to think listen if it's true family they're going to say we love you can you hear the hearts of these pastors and Pastor Daniel and Joy? We love you. We're so glad. Ah, oh, praise God. Unconditional love, that's what heals people's hearts. And that's this family. So if that's you right now and you say, I'm ready to, I'm ready to lose my life. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to be one of the four stooges in Phoenix, Arizona. And it starts with my relationship with God. I'm going to let go of addiction today. I'm going to let go. I'm going to step out of the old life and step into the new. If that's you right now and you're ready to do that, I want you to just take courage and raise your hand in the air right now. Go ahead. Raise it up. Come on. Raise it up. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Online right there. Type in the chat. I need Jesus. Keep your hand up high. Keep your hand up high. Come on. Come on, here's what I want to do. I want to pray with you guys. If you just raised your hand today, the Lord is going to touch you. I want to pray with you. Jesus said, if anybody agrees with me in prayer, touching anything, it'll be done for you. I want to pray with you and agree with you in prayer. So if you guys would, would you just grab your stuff, step out of your chair, and come on up here, and I want to agree with you in prayer. Pastor Ken, Pastor Diana are going to be here to pray with you as well. Come on up here. If you just raise your hand and you want to give your life to Jesus, we want to just agree with you as a family. Amen. As a family. Come on. So good. Come on. Just give them a big hand. Just cheer for the family as they come. So good. Come on up here. I'm going to meet you guys right up here. Yay. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on up here, guys. Hey, come on up. All right. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We want to pray with you and agree with you. Anybody else here?
Anybody else here? Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God. Everybody just point your hands right here. All these people back here, this is family. They're all loving you right now. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, okay? We're going to pray together. You ready? What's your name, sweetheart? I'm Morin. Morin. Beautiful. Mrs. Morin. Thank you, Lord. Morin, I'm going I'm to tell you right now, from this day forward, you're never going to be alone. You're never going to be alone. God's always with you. He's for you. He's going to be a father to you. He's going to lead you and guide you. Thank you, Lord, for Morin. We're all going to pray with you, okay? You all ready to pray with us online? If you're watching, you can pray too. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come just as I am, as a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me in your blood. I turn away from sin, trusting my own way, and I turn fully towards you. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. My finances, my relationships, my job, my future, my past, my present. I give it to you, God. I surrender all to Jesus. Wash me in your blood. And from this day forward, come live your life through me. I am yours and you are mine. My best friend, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now I just pray right now, come and fill my friend with your Holy Spirit. Pray this with me. Say, God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fill right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Now just put your hand on the neighbor next to you and just say, come Holy Spirit. More. Fire of God, fill. Fire of God, touch. More. More, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Some of you guys, it's going to be begin to manifest through creativity, visions and dreams, business ideas. Thank you, God. Come, Holy Spirit. I feel like there's a businessman here. You look at revival. You see people shake, rattle, and roll, and you think, man, I just don't see myself in that. And I have an encouraging word for you. It's okay. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you see numbers. You see things work together. You see things, strategies it's because you're different, and that's the way God designed you. And so I give you freedom right now, and I release you into the destiny to be a Holy Spirit-filled businessman, a Holy Spirit-filled businesswoman in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's make one last declaration before we close. Say this with me. Say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Thank you, Jesus, for your spirit feeling me. Now make this one last dangerous declaration. Are you ready? Say, Jesus, I'll be one of your stooges. <laughs> Say, send me. Sow my life into the places of Phoenix that need your love. In Jesus' name.